Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. Good morning, and welcome to Crossroads Christian Fellowship. Our message today is about living a godly life. But first, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today in a place where we can freely worship you and learn more about you. We simply ask that you open up our hearts and minds and ears so that we can hear the message that you want us to hear. And then guide us so that we can be the light that you want us to be and fulfill our roles in building your kingdom here on earth. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. To begin today, I'm going to read from the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 10 to chapter 4, verse 8. Now, I don't normally read a passage that is this long. However, I think it is important uh, for this specific message today to do so. So starting with second Timothy, chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all who have longed for his appearing. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Being a Christian means being a servant and follower of Jesus Christ, not being someone who simply goes to church, not being someone who simply grew up in a Christian household, not being someone who simply wears a cross necklace, not being someone who simply knows and understands the Bible, rather only someone who has made an actual commitment to serve and follow Jesus Christ is a Christian. In verse 312 of what I just read, Paul says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is a promise that Jesus also told us in John 15, 19 to 20. If you were in the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. So let's look at the world today and how much of it completely contradicts biblical teaching and God's direct commands, yet it is celebrated. Hollywood in particular glorifies such things as sexual immorality, like marital infidelity, wives cheating on husbands and husbands cheating on wives, homosexual relationships, premarital sex, etc. Our political landscape is dotted with controversies that have clear-cut biblical answers, such as discussions about abortion, about welfare, and even about immigration. Integrity, just the basics of telling the truth, is sometimes considered idealistic rather than expected as the norm. It is absent from much of politics and from much of the media, and considered a joke among many people in the general community. Anyone in America who is actually seeking the truth must look for answers from a variety of news sources because so many of them are more interested in exploitation, complete with not only opinionated, but actually knowingly false reporting than in sharing the real facts. Much of this news-related falsehood is also based purely on political lines rather than on what is right or wrong. So the question then is, how do we fit in as Christians? And the answer is, we don't. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. You will be ostracized. You will be targeted and blamed and called names and hated by the world. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in the world, but not of the world. And you cannot be both. Jesus himself, when talking about Christians in John seventeen fourteen, says, The world hates them because they are not of the world. And I hate to say it, but many of the pastors who are liked by the world are not actually followers of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Who do you think Jesus is speaking to here? 
because he is speaking not just to Christians, but actually to pastors and priests and to other people who are considered leaders of the church. In fact, in this context, to prophesy means to preach. So these are preachers he is talking to. You see, many pastors or preachers out there are sharing a twisted version of what the Bible actually says. And that's why it's so important for you to know what the Bible says. You have to study it so that you know when a pastor or a priest or other religious leader is wrong. Whatever I tell you, you need to validate it with what the Bible says. Don't blindly take my word for it or the word of any other pastor. God has given us the Bible so you have access to it. And the responsibility of knowing what it says, what God has told us, is yours alone. One of the twisted things that some pastors teach is the mentality that God accepts you just the way you are. And that statement is utterly false. The truth is that God loves you, period. However, he does not accept you the way you are. If he did, Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. That's the whole point of the gospel story, that you are not good enough. I am not good enough. No one is good enough. We are sinners, and without Jesus, we will not go to heaven. God cannot and will not accept us the way we are because we are sinners. We must therefore repent and accept Jesus, which means to become his follower. And then God accepts us through that relationship. And with the repentance, we must turn away from sin and become a new creation, as described in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. When the Bible speaks of believing in Jesus, it means much more than the simple recognition of the existence of Jesus. It means believing in him as your personal Lord and Savior and having a changed life as the result, not continuing to live in sin. So what do we do? What does that mean for us? If we look back at verse 315, we have to know the Holy Scriptures, which make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to study the Bible and we have to know the Bible. Verses 16 and 17 go on to say, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have to know what the Bible says. We have to know the Bible so that we understand God's plan for us. We have to know the Bible so that we know how to share God's plan with other people. We have to know the Bible so that we can rebuke and correct others. And by the way, this is another element of false teachers who say that it is not our business or our job as Christians to correct others but yet it is plainly written in Scripture that we are to do so. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It is one of the most well-known, and in my humble opinion, probably the most misunderstood verse in the entire Bible. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, I hear this all the time where people say, It's not my place to judge, or it's not my place to tell someone they're wrong. But if you believe that, You are wrong. It is your responsibility. Now, let me caveat that. We have a responsibility to rebuke and correct other Christians in the training of righteousness according to what the Bible says. This does not mean that we get to go out and Bible bash people who are not Christians or 
people who are professing to be Christians but really aren't. If they're professing to be Christians and really aren't, they may not know the truth, and we do have a responsibility to share that with them. For example, there are some denominations who use the name of Jesus, but they don't actually serve and worship the same Jesus we do. For example, we've got Jehovah's Witnesses. For example, we've got Mormons. We can talk about that again. In fact, we'll have a sermon on that later on. But that is a different Jesus, and we have a responsibility to share the actual gospel from the Holy Bible with them. But back to what we do have a responsibility to do is have the ability to teach, coach, and mentor people who are at least attempting to follow Jesus and or to rebuke people who claim to follow Jesus but clearly are not. That is why we have to know the Bible because we have to use the Bible and what it says in order to teach, coach, and mentor and to rebuke people. But part of knowing the Bible is understanding the context. So, for example, back to Matthew 7, 1, where it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. We have to continue to verses 2 through 5, because this passage is not actually about judging at all, but rather about being a hypocrite. Let me read the whole thing. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, most people stop right there, but we have to go on. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We have a God-given mandate to correct and rebuke Christians, or those claiming to be Christians, not to simply have an attitude of, it's not my place to judge. The difference between that attitude and the correct attitude of faithful obedience to God could mean the difference between someone spending eternity in heaven or spending eternity in hell. So let me go on to chapter 4. Now, remember, before I do that, uh, all of these biblical instructions were written to Timothy, but they're for all Christians. That's why they're in the Bible. All Christians should be on a spiritual growth track to go from a baby Christian to a Christian leader, which means we all have to grow, and we do that by studying the Bible. So going on now to chapter 4. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We are all to preach the word, but most importantly, we are to always be prepared to do so. To be prepared in season means when expected to talk, whether you're preaching, giving a sermon, uh, whether you're giving a speech, a presentation, maybe you're going out and planning to witness with somebody or share the gospel to somebody. In other words, it's planned for. Out of season means when it's not planned for. And as a Christian, you should be prepared and ready to share your faith all the time. So you might have somebody, for example, who unexpectedly asks you a question. Or you might run into a random stranger to whom you can share the gospel. Or in some way, shape, or form, an opportunity presents itself. Be ready. And of course, again, we're reminded to correct, rebuke, and encourage in in that passage. So moving on, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Friends, we are in that time right now. So many people completely ignore the scripture because they don't like what it says. We can go back to the teaching that God accepts you just the way you are, which again is not true. But people look for pastors who say what they want to hear, not what the Bible teaches, not what God has actually commanded. But rather they look for pastors who say things that affirm their sinful lifestyle, whatever that may be. Looking for pastors who may feel the, make them feel good about themselves rather than those who will preach the truth and be willing to stand up for God. These are the ones to whom Jesus will say he never knew them. Not only the pastors who are preaching this, this false information, but also their followers who have the scripture at hand and willingly choose to ignore it because they would rather follow a leader who makes them feel good about themselves. Paul goes on to say, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Are you doing this? Are you keeping focused in all situations? Are you remembering to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Are you enduring hardship, or at least are you willing to do so on behalf of Jesus? Are you willing to stand up for God when the time arises? Are you looking for opportunities in season and out of season to do so? Are you doing the work of an evangelist by sharing the gospel when you can? Some people have the idea that just living a Christian lifestyle and being a good example or a good role model fulfills this mandate, but it does not. The people who believe this will one day stand before God and he will ask them why they allowed their family members, friends, and neighbors to continue living in a sinful lifestyle without ever even attempting to share the gospel and introduce them to Jesus. While being a good role model is important, it does not answer the call. Do you honestly believe that it is better to allow someone to drown in sin and then spend eternity in hell without ever hearing the gospel? And you can't assume that they heard it somewhere else. Is it okay to think that just because you are a good role model and they didn't learn from your example that you fulfilled your calling? We are commanded to not just be the light, but to share the gospel, to do the work of an evangelist. So if you were to take all of these things and rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 on how well you're doing them, what would your score be? What do you need to do to get to a 10? How will you get there? And how can I help you get there? Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Because he loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God. Repent of your sins. In other words, you have to turn away from them and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect but you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed, and then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support, and may God bless you. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.